0: of On the Record, the Daily Iowans Weekly News Podcast, where we break down the paper's top headlines from the week. I'm your host, Eleanor Hildebrand, and I'm here with our co-producers, Caitlin Crown and Meg Doster. On this week's episode, we have four special guests. We will be chatting with Daily Iowan news reporters Kate Perez, Ryan Hansen, and Meg Doster. We will also catch up with politics editor Natalie Dunlap about U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley announcing his re-election campaign. Whether you're in the car, at home, or in the classroom, we'd like to welcome you to this Friday, October 1st edition of On the Record. News reporter Kate Perez wrote a story this week discussing the disparities between the graduation and retention rates of students and faculty of color and their white peers at the University of Iowa. Welcome to the studio, Kate. We're delighted to have you on today. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Enjoying the beautiful weather this week. So who did you speak to for your piece this week, and what did they have to say about their experiences on the University of Iowa's campus?
1: I spoke to five first-year students who considered themselves people of color. They were all different ethnicities and nationalities, and their experiences at Iowa actually varied a lot. Two of them were really satisfied with the amount of diversity they would seen and, that, and the resources that have been made available to them. But the other three were disappointed and felt that they did not see enough representation on campus and did not have enough resources.
0: Yeah, and since your story kind of dealt with the rates of retention and graduation here at the University of Iowa, you obviously had some numbers that enhanced your piece. So what kind of data did you find related to this topic and what does it reflect within the University of Iowa community?
1: Yeah. So I found that um, overall, the retention rates for people who identified as an underrepresented minority are lower than the retention rates for white students. And so the percentage is lower for the number of students that identify as people of color that graduate in four years and six years. So that's troubling. And for professors that identify as people of color, they're less satisfied with the amount of diversity they see at University of Iowa than their white co-workers and they're less likely to stay at Iowa or recommend people work there and then their white co-workers so it's kind of reflecting that the University of Iowa maybe doesn't have enough resources or maybe they aren't doing enough because there's still that gap and people are still satisfied.
0: Yeah for sure and speaking of that gap in these numbers, what are some of the barriers that these students face or that they told you about when it comes to their time here at the university and eventually in the process of graduating?
1: They're really just feeling like there's not enough representation in their classes, in their dorms, when they're walking home, and a lot of them feel like they don't have enough resources. So they feel a bit isolated because in the majority of their classes, they are like the only ones who look like them. And so it's a bit isolating. And they they said that they're really not surprised at the low people of color retention rates versus the retention rates of white students. They actually all said that they were not surprised at all.
0: Wow. It's very telling of how lots of students think on campus. And so what has the UI done to improve diversity and the graduation rates of students who are not white on campus? What were some of the sentiments that students had related to the efforts that the university is attempting to accomplish?
1: the students basically said they think the university is trying but what you can't help the numbers and one of them said that they atta- they think that they're trying to heighten the number of diversity but there's also the number of white students are, is increasing along with the number of diversified students even though it's increasing the number of white students is also increasing cancels each other out for the university they do a campus climate survey every year that ask people how satisfied they are, what they're seeing, what they want more of, and they're actually in the middle of that right now. So based on those results, they're going to make changes and try to create more diversity in different ways. But they are attempting to create more programs that foster diversity and teach about diversity, especially with the faculty, like the BUILD training program that's voluntary. They're definitely trying to teach more faculty about diversity and how to include that in their classrooms.
0: Well, our readers will definitely have to keep an eye out for all those different initiatives and the results of that climate survey this year, next year, and every year that they continue to put that information together. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week, Kate. We cannot wait to read more of your reporting in the DI. Thank you so much for having me. News reporter Ryan Hansen wrote a story this week on the Graduate Student Union on campus filing an OSHA complaint saying the University of Iowa was an unsafe work environment. Welcome, Ryan. We're excited to have you on this edition of the podcast for the first time. How's everything going?
2: Well, Eleanor, I think school is definitely picking up for me, but, you know, I love being busy, and and so I think that things are going great.
0: That's a common sentiment of students who work at the Daily Iowan is loving being busy, which is a good thing. But obviously, you wrote this story on an OSHA complaint filed by the Campaign to Organize Graduate Students at Graduate Student Union here on campus. So can you explain what this union is, who they serve, and why they decided to file an OSHA complaint this week?
2: Right. So as you said, COGS is the, the Campaign to Organize Graduate Students. They represent the University of Iowa's graduate population, and they filed this OSHA complaint on September 23rd. And in this complaint, they allege that the UI is, quote, in violation of its own health policies as well as federal law. This complaint to OSHA is alleging that a few of the campus buildings at the UI have inadequate ventilation systems, and that doesn't allow for the proper filtration of air. And these buildings include McBride, Halsley Hall, Phillips Hall, and the English Philosophy Building
0: a diversity of buildings here on the University of Iowa's campus and has the university had a response to this complaint and if they did what what did they have to say about COGS filing the complaint?
2: Yeah the university issued a statement in response to the COGS OSHA complaint and they said that what they're doing with their COVID-19 policies is that they're following state law and guidance from the Board of Regents, State of Iowa how they might respond to the OSHA complaint And it outlines the current steps that the UI is taking to, quote, mitigate the spread of COVID-19 on campus. So these processes, they listed many of them, but these processes include uh, encouraging vaccination, encouraging wearing masks, requiring wearing masks when you're in a healthcare setting or on the the cam bus, and also continuing to monitor the wastewater of the residence halls for COVID-19, providing KN95 masks, and they list a lot more.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot of different items there for for the university that they're trying to encourage students and faculty members as well as staff to do. So what sort of efforts has the union COGS previously made to influence the University of Iowa and trying to reverse its decision to not require masks within University of Iowa facilities and buildings?
2: Yeah, so the Daily Iowan actually reported in the last week that COGS and the UI American Association of University Professors have questioned the legality of the university's prohibition on instructors requiring the wearing of masks. So basically what this means is that COGS and the AAUP, they're not really sure. They consulted with a lawyer and that lawyer said university professors have protection and that the university may or may not be correctly providing that protection for them. And then also earlier this semester, COGS participated in what they called a die-in, where protesters laid on the sidewalk in front of the old Capitol and participated in in sort of what was a protest about the lack of safety that comes with the lack of a mask mandate here on campus. So COGS has definitely made themselves heard a first month and a half of the semester when it comes to the, the mask mandate.
0: No, we've definitely seen more than just this potential lawsuit if COGS and the AAUP decide to do a lawsuit with different mask mandate issues within the state. So that'll definitely be something to keep an eye out on. And are there other organizations that are planning to continue protesting the UIs lack of mask mandates? Does COGS have any future plans to continue to push forward with OSHA complaints and with protests like they have the past couple of weeks this semester?
2: Right. So I think that, you know, we've heard a lot of protests from other groups, not just students or graduate students, but also from faculty. And I'm not completely sure if there are any ongoing protests necessarily, but I think that we're going to keep a close eye on the efforts from all student organizations, all faculty, and all other groups as they continue to protest this mask mandate. And I think that COG's previous efforts early in the semester here are definitely indicative that they will continue to protest and work towards changing the UI's mask policy. But I don't think that there's anything indicating any specific upcoming action from Cox.
0: Yeah, well, it's definitely something to keep an eye out for, like you said. And, and if something does happen, our readers can definitely look for it on our website or in our paper. But thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Ryan, and sharing your story with us.
2: Thank you for having me, Eleanor.
0: Next, we have news reporter Meg Doster here to talk about her story about the corn monument that the UI College of Engineering builds every year for homecoming, and this year it returns after a year without the corn monument during the fall of 2020. Welcome, Meg. We're excited to have you on the podcast as a guest today. It's also your first time being on the podcast. How has your week been? My week has been very busy, but going pretty well. Good. That's always good to hear. And so can you tell us a little bit about the Corn Monument and its history here at the University of Iowa? I am glad you asked. So the Corn Monument
3: started at in 1919 for homecoming, and it's been a tradition ever since, except in the 1960s, they stopped doing the Corn Monument, and then it came back in 1981, where it would kind of come back sporadically until it came back in entirety in 2014, where they started doing it every year until the 2020 fall semester.
0: Yeah, quite a complicated history of bringing the corn monument back, putting it in a hiatus, lots of different shuffling. So what is the construction process like for the corn monument? And what exactly is this year's monument going to look like?
3: So this year, the uh, corn monument is a kind of a it's a miniature old Capitol building. Construction for this, um, it takes place over the course of five Sundays, the five weeks um, leading up to uh, homecoming. And it pretty much takes them like most of the morning, most of the afternoon. And this year, the monument, it's, it's massive. Uh, and usually, usually it's between like 12 and 17 feet, but, the number that I kept getting from people was anywhere from like 20 to 30 feet. So it's, it's definitely the biggest one
0: in recent history. It'll definitely be fun to see a miniature capital right next to the actual old Capitol, um, because that's usually where this corn monument is, is on the Pentacrest. But how has the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, impacted the corn monument and its construction process?
3: I actually visited their uh, construction area on Sunday. It was kind of like a mix of people who weren't wearing masks and people who were. A lot of people were like working outside and like half of them were wearing masks, half of them weren't. But everyone who was working inside the workshop itself was all wearing masks. There weren't, I was told that there's usually around 12 to 20 volunteers per week. Uh, But when I was there, I'd say there was about 10.
0: Yeah, probably smart to have a smaller group of people with COVID-19 transmission continuing within Johnson County. And so when will students and members of the Hawkeye community and Iowa City community be able to see this monument? When does it go on display and, and what does that symbolize during the week of homecoming?
4: It
3: goes on the Pentacrest on the very first day of homecoming, which is October 11th of this year and it will be up until the end of homecoming, which is October 16th. As of like symbolic or symbolism of the corn monument, well, first of all, it's just fun. Like the corn monument's fun. Like it's a monument that's partially made out of actual corn. This is Iowa. We've all heard the corn jokes. This is so quintessentially Iowan. This has been like part of Hawkeye history for over a century now. The fact that it's been able to stay, even though it's been gone for a number of years in some periods, it's still here. It keeps coming back. It is, the Corny Monument will never die at this
0: campus. It's definitely something that University of Iowa students have to see at least once in their four years here. So thank you for the recap on the Corn Monument and being on the podcast to share that information with our listeners, Meg. We can't wait to have you back sometime this semester. Thank you for having me on. Finally, we have politics editor Natalie Dunlap here to talk about Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley's announcement that he will once again be running for re-election in the 2022 election for his Senate seat. Welcome, Natalie. We're excited to have you on the podcast today as a
4: guest. How has your week been going? Pretty busy, but pretty good. Thanks, Eleanor.
0: And so can you tell us when Senator Grassley announced his campaign for re-election and what this means for Iowans in terms of the 2022 election?
4: Chuck Grassley announced his re-election campaign bright and early on Friday, um, 4 a.m. Iowa time and 5 a.m. Washington, D.C. time, which is when the senator likes to say he goes on a morning run most days out of the week. And so what that means for Iowans is that this very well-established politician wants to keep his seats. So any Republican challenger that has to go up against him will have to go up against all of his experience and just his name recognition in the primary And so will the Democrat, if Grassley wins his party's nomination. Um, And he's easily won re-election in each of his previous re-election races. So it could mean basically just keeping the same leadership that has taken up one of Iowa's two Senate seats for the last 40 years.
0: And speaking of those last 40 years, Chuck Grassley has been re-elected several times, including my entire life, and I'm assuming also your entire life. Um, I'm actually
4: 60 years old, so... And so how old
0: is Senator Grassley and how long has he been involved in politics, whether that's within the state of Iowa specifically or in the U.S. Congress?
4: Grassley recently turned 88. He's a fellow Virgo to you, Eleanor. Um, And he's been involved in politics since way back in 1959 when he started as a representative in the Iowa State House. And then in 1974, he was elected to the U.S. House and he's been So that means he's been representing Iowa in Washington since 1975. After three terms as a House representative, he ran for the U.S. Senate in 1980 and was sworn in in 1981. And so all of this experience makes him the longest serving U.S. Senator in Iowa history, the second longest currently seated Senator, and he's the 10th longest serving U.S. Senator in all of U.S. history. So if he wins reelection and he serves his eighth term out to completion, You'll be 95. That's
0: a very long time.
4: And so, what have been some of
0: the significant milestones that Chuck Grassley has seen in his career as he's been in either the Iowa legislature or representing Iowa as a senator?
4: Currently, Grassley serves as the vice chairman of the United States Senate caucus on international narcotics control um, and he's also the ranking member of, of the committee on the judiciary and he was the senate president pro tem starting in 2019 until the end of the trump presidency so he was in line for the presidency after speaker nancy pelosi for a, a bit of his time
0: yeah a very high ranking member of the republican party there And so has anyone announced their candidacy for Grassley's seat other than Chuck Grassley? And is it likely that there will be a competitor for the
4: Republican primary at all? Grassley's most well-known challenger is Abby Finkenhauer, who served one term in the U.S. Congress representing Iowa's first district, but she lost her re-election in 2020 to the current representative, Ashley Hinson. Another Democrat, Dave Mulbauer, was the first Democrat to announce his candidacy against Grassley, and he is the former vice chair of the Crawford County Board of Supervisors. And then State Senator Jim Carlin was the first to announce he was pursuing Grassley's seat. He is a Republican state legislator from Sioux City.
0: That's definitely a plethora of candidates there, so we'll have to keep an eye out for more stories from you or from the politics team regarding this election and this campaign that's already starting more than a year in advance. But thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Natalie, and sharing your story with us. We can't wait to have you back on again sometime soon. Thanks, Eleanor. Thanks for listening. Follow The Daily Iowan on social media and check our website for breaking news updates and the latest campus and Iowa City-related news. We'll be back next week with another edition of On the Record.